0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. Love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Mayhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast here on this Wednesday, March the 8th of 2023. I am back from what was a glorious week in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, beautiful sun, nothing not to like. And I also got catcalled every time I walked down the street. Also, nothing not to like. I am taking catcalls from anybody, any age, any type. So please keep that in mind. Uh, But I have a couple of stories I want to hit on with you on the show this week. A couple real uh, juicy stories, I think, that uh, aren't just about media, but about society at large. And that's what we like to do here in the Sports Media Mayhem podcast. We come out every week, presented by Odyssey Sports, and you can Download the show, subscribe to the show on whatever your favorite podcast platform is. We are available on Spotify, Apple, Google. You know the jewel by now. Download, listen, rate, and subscribe. Um, The big uh, debate yesterday, Tuesday, and it's going to carry over into the rest of the week because this kind of stuff uh, we we can't stop talking about, can't stop writing about. Uh, J.J. Reddick and Kendrick Perkins on ESPN First Take had a combative debate about the NBA MVP vote. Nikola Jokic of the Nuggets may win his third straight MVP, but that's not why their shouting match went viral. It's because it dealt with the topic of race. And let's just uh, rewind a little bit to last week. Kendrick Perkins, of course, a, uh, a bomb thrower now on ESPN, suggested on first take last week that MVP voters give preferential treatment to white players. And for proof, Perkins cited the conversation about Jokic possibly winning his third straight MVP, even though he's not a top 10 scorer. Perkins said Dirk Nowitzki and Steve Nash are the only other MVPs since 1990 to not finish in the top 10 in scoring either. This is what Perk said last week. Quote, what do those guys have in common? I'll let it sit there and marinate. You think about it, he said. Hmm, interesting. So what could Nikola Jokic, Steve Nash, and Dirk Nowitzki possibly have in common? I mean, yes, they all played in the Western Conference, so there you go. There's one, but I think that, and neither of them, uh, born in the U.S. either. Yeah, all three, uh, born internationally. Yep, Steve Nash, born, born in Canada, but okay, okay, okay. I think we know uh, the real thing that Perkins was getting at, what Perkins was alluding to, the pigmentation uh, of their skin. So what do those guys have in common? I'll let it sit there and marinate. You think about it. Those are big Perk's words last week. On Tuesday, J.J. Reddick uh, made his return to the first Take Analyst desk for the first time with Perkins since those comments were made. And he took issue with Kendrick Perkins' race baiting. Quote, this is what J.J. Reddick said. What we've just witnessed is the problem with this show. We create narratives that do not exist in reality. The implication, what you are implying, that the white voters who vote on NBA are racist, that they favor white people you just said that in perkins i will say and you can listen to the exchange it's everywhere online uh does not come off well in this back and forth and so he just starts screaming i did not i did not i did not i stated facts i stated facts and as one would imagine does not proceed to state any facts he just keeps shouting at his highest volume that he stated facts um so good to see perk fully invested now in the Correct form of debate when it comes to talk radio, talk shows on TV. He who is loudest is right. (laughs) So it's something that's been tried many times. And Kendrick Perkins is jumping on that bandwagon now. But, okay. So a couple of things here. First of all, a lot of people are commenting on this back and forth who really have no context about Nikola Jokic, the MVP, the NBA MVP race, in JJ Reddick's history as a commentator as well. Reddick, for those who don't know, is Fangi's himself as kind of this analytics type of guy who comes on these gab fest, scream fest ESPN talk shows like First Take and debunks these quote unquote false narratives that he sees around there. He's gotten in he's gotten into it with Stephen A. Smith. Many times in the past, on first take, he's gotten into it with Perkins previously as well. And Redick, over the last few years, has been an ardent Jokic supporter. Nikola Jokic is one of those polarizing players who really separates the analytics people from the non-analytics people. Now, I will say, of course, a lot of these analytics people are white, and they come from the Ivy League. And I think it is entirely possible that they have implicit racial biases that make their way into their analysis. I totally believe that. And I think that Perkins is correct to bring that up. But I also think that in this case, Perkins brought it up incredibly sloppily. Again, you don't really have any substance behind your pretty strong claim, I would say, that MBA MVP voters are racially biased. Um, so from that standpoint, It is nice that J.J. Reddick felt comfortable enough to debunk that narrative because, look, I mean, not to play this game, but J.J. Reddick obviously very white, and for a white pundit to go on ESPN and tell a black man like Kendrick Perkins that, no, your theory of racial Bias here is totally bunk, that takes some guts. It does. I'm not saying that we need to give J.J. Reddick the... uh, (laughs) you know, a, a, a badge of honor, the Purple Heart Award. But I am saying that, you know, J.J. Reddick clearly felt strong enough in his views to go on ESPN and say this. I'm not sure if everybody in his position would. So you do have to give credit to him for that. Um, and of course, Perkins, as I said, did not really offer much in the way of facts. I mean, Magic Johnson won MVP before in his career without finishing in the top 10 in scoring. So Reddick's presence is definitely refreshing on the ESPN airwaves. I will say that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore dealmaking across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as um, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. However, and this is predictable, we've seen a bevy of right-wing websites lap John Toretic over the last day and anoint him as their new savior. This is so desperate. This is so sad. Whenever everybody, whenever anybody in the quote-unquote mainstream media who doesn't work for, you know, Fox News, uh, comes out and says something like this, all the outkicks of the world and the blaze and all these Twitter people, they just latch on to this person as, ah, yes, see, we're not insane after all. Look, J.J. Redick says that NBA voters aren't racist. Or look, Bill Maher is against cancel culture. Oh yeah, see the and then they hold these guys up as pillars, and it's quite sad. It's quite desperate. It's like, please, please accept me. Um. So, Outkick. Speaking of Outkick, Clay Travis's website. This was their headline about the exchange. They actually wrote a couple stories about this, as one would suspect. But this is one headline. JJ Redick calls out Kendrick Perkins's irresponsible race baiting behavior. Yes, irresponsible race-banning behavior. So irresponsible of Kendrick Perkins to go on ESPN First Take, a show that we all take our our cues from, our political cues, our social cues, and to go on and suggest that NBA MVP voters are racially biased. I mean, so irresponsible from Kendrick Perkins. I agree. OutKick should be lecturing us on what responsible and irresponsible MVP debate commentary is. Thank you. Uh, the Blaze, Glenn Beck's great website and publication, um, wrote up that J.J. Reddick blasted Kendrick Perkins, blasted in all caps and first take for insinuating NBA MVP voters have racial bias against black players and black is not capitalized. Thank you very much. Uh, the B is lowercase. Um, and it's so funny that like, you know, during the heart of the George Floyd protests in the summer 2020, 2020, uh, that did take on more traction. They capitalized the B and black, and I'm more than fine doing that, but it is Funny that these, like, right-wing troll sites like the Blaze refuse to do that. I mean, they, they are so courageous. Um, And Fox News, of course, has a story as well. J.J. Reddick slams Kendrick Perkins' suggestion that NBA MVP voting is racially biased. Now, I hate to break it to OutKick and Fox News and the Blaze and all these people, but J.J. Reddick, probably not down with your cause. Uh, this is what he said, for example, when I saw this on Twitter it is funny. So JJ Reddick said about Donald Trump in 2017. Quote The other thing, too, is to speak out against Trump at this point is like eating breakfast. It's what you should do. You should eat breakfast because it's part of a daily balanced diet. So JJ Reddick saying, speaking out against Donald Trump is the equivalent to eating your Wheaties or Cheerios in the morning. So mm, for some reason, I don't think that those quotes would make outkick. kick. Uh, so again, two things can be true at once here from the micro Kendrick Perkins throughout this strong commentary. NBA MVP voters are racially biased and didn't really offer any facts to support his strong take his hot take, if you will. So JJ Redick comes on ESPN and goes against Perkins and deserves credit for doing that. But now you see all of these websites just lauding J.J. Reddick as this great hero and this great saint and this great now right wing culture war figure. When he's just talking about NBA MVP voting, I'm telling you, I don't know J.J. Reddick, but I guarantee you he is just sporty, sporty, sporty here. Looking at MVP and thinking about Jokic and to compare in the context of analytics, not even race. So get out of here with that. That's lame and obvious. And then, of course, Charles Barkley, who every once in a while says something that these websites go crazy over as well. Oh, look, he's one of us. Mm, Okay. This is what Barkley said about Perkins, though. A lot of these guys, when they get on TV, they're like, well, I'm on ESPN. I got to say something provocative. And you know the thing about it is you're always going to get some fools out there. You guys probably get some fools calling and agreeing with them. He said this on a Denver radio show. We can talk about race as much as you want as long as you're going to be fair and honest. But to slander of this man, Jokic, in this situation is just total BS. Well, Barkley is right. I think a lot of people, and Perkins is one of them, get on ESPN and feel the need to say something provocative. Uh, but I think Charles Barkley also gets on TV and feels the need to say something provocative because that's what his career has largely been based on. Charles Barkley is certainly known for provocative and strong opinions. And Kendrick Perkins, it's been interesting to watch his development over the last five years or so. I mean, it's hard to believe that he was actually an assistant coach not too long ago in the NBA, and there was talk that he was going to be brought in as an assistant coach here in Boston with the Celtics. I mean, can you imagine this man being on an NBA sideline right now? Uh, We've had his back and forth with Draymond Green last postseason, Perkins saying that Green doesn't score enough, Green responding and calling Perkins an ogre. And then they went back and forth in their looks, which was entertaining. Uh, Perkins earned a rebuke last season from his ex-teammate, Russell Westbrook. Um, Kevin Durant, of course, has taken an issue with Perkins' commentary time and time again. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo's family was apocalyptic over Perkins calling Giannis Chris Middleton's Robin, which is definitely wrong, and a cheap shot. So that is the big picture story here now with Perk. He is fully developed from when he first started on the scene four or five years ago, Jumping on jumping on ESPN, he was lauded in a lot of these online Twitter circles as somebody, a recently retired ex-player who would come on, say what was on his mind, push back against some stereotypes, all of that. And now he's been totally corrupted. And he's now viewed as this ultimate ESPN NBA troll. Kind of like a Stephen A. Smith in training. So Maybe he is suffering from ESPN disease, or he's just realized that, oh yeah, the best way for success here is for me to just be loud, for me to troll, and to me have strong opinions. And yeah, sometimes you're going to hit. Sometimes, like in this MVP debate with Jokic, you're going to miss. But if the hits outweigh the misses, you're fine. And ultimately, this miss was a massive hit for ESPN because it created a massive viral piece of content for them and elevated First Take and Reddick and Perkins in the process. That's how this stuff works. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The other big uh, topic I want to get into about media and media biases has to do with Lamar Jackson. The Ravens placed the non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson this week. What does that mean? It means that any team in the NFL can now offer Jackson a new contract. but They would have to surrender two first-round picks in the process. And that's assuming the Ravens don't decide to match their offer because if Baltimore matches any offer that Jackson receives from another team, he winds it back with them. So what's the T here? Well, Jackson is looking for a fully guaranteed deal. Deshaun uh, Watson set that trend last year with a $230 million fully guaranteed contract. The Browns of course gave Jackson that historic mammoth deal while he was being investigated for sexually assaulting about two dozen women. So, Jimmy Haslam, there you go. Not nothing's going to deter him and that certainly seems like Watson is worth the money. Does it not? Man, oh man. Um and there have also been of course crazy quarterback deals. I mean, Daniel Jones is now getting paid what is it? Like $40 million annually. Daniel Jones, just basically a more mobile Mac Jones. So these quarterback contracts get more insane. I mean, Kyler Murray got $189 million guaranteed after going 22 and 23 and 1 as a starter. Aaron Rodgers, the Packers, horrible deal. $150 million guaranteed at 38 years old. I mean, you can go on down the line. So you look at that. You look at the Sean Watson, who hadn't played for a year was facing a lengthy suspension, and as I mentioned, oh yeah, being investigated for sexually assaulting over two dozen women. The Browns give him $230 million fully guaranteed. Kyler Murray gets $189 million fully guaranteed, despite being a sub-500 quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, 38 years old, $150 million guaranteed, despite not winning a Super Bowl since 2010 and shrinking in big games for years now. So, you look at those numbers, you look at the crazy quarterback numbers around the league, the rising costs among quarterbacks around the league, and you say, wait a minute. I understand that's a high price for for Amar Jackson. He wants to break Deshaun Watson's 230 million, probably at 240 or 250 million. But quarterbacks are always going to make more. And Jackson is a former MVP. He led the league in passing touchdowns, he's 26 years old. He's 45 and 16 as a starter. And you're to tell me that these QB desperate teams from the Panthers to the Falcons to the commanders are all telling these NFL insiders that they're publicly out on Jackson. What the hell is going on here? Well, I think it's quite obvious. This is not necessarily a race issue, as some, such as Robert Griffin III and Marcus Spears have suggested. This is about Lamar Jackson not having an agent. And Lamar Jackson not having an agent is the reason why he's getting buried here, and why NFL insiders are more than happy to just tweet out willy-nilly, oh yeah, commanders, not interested. Panthers, not interested. Falcons, not interested. Raiders, not interested and effectively sullying Lamar Jackson's market. That's because Lamar Jackson does not have an agent to represent his interests. So teams do not fear reprisal, because if Jackson did have a high-powered agent who represented other high power clients, teams would be leery of ruining that relationship with said agent. And on the same token, NFL insiders, the Ian Rapaports, the Schefters of the world, They get a lot of their info from agents and they would be leery of sullying their relationship with a top agent if they just tweeted out without any suspicion. Oh yeah, Lamar Jackson, MVP, led the league in passing, etc. But out, all these NFL teams are out on Lamar Jackson. If he had an agent representing his interests and an agent who had a relationship with Schefter, Rappaport, these guys, Lamar Jackson wouldn't be getting buried like this. So that is why these reports are circulating about Lamar Jackson. I don't think it has much to do with race in this context. It has much more to do with the fact that he doesn't have an agent. He's representing himself in these negotiations. And I also think that's why the Ravens have been playing such hardball with Lamar Jackson over the last year and now are like, all right. We're going to give you the non-exclusive franchise tag, which is just so rare for star players to receive. So, so rare. So that's what this is all about. And it really pulls behind the curtain of how the sausage is made. Agents are relatively anonymous figures, but they are so powerful in terms of how teams negotiate with players and how media people report on these kinds of free agent negotiations. Next week is the start of NFL free agency and you're going to see the bonanza of tweets. So and so player gets x million dollars on his contract. And none of those tweets of course will include any context about what the actual guaranteed money is on said contracts, if there are any opt outs or injury clauses on those said contracts. You know, any team friendly mechanisms that make their way into those deals will not be reported on at first. They'll be cleaned up and reported on later because those are insiders getting out the information from the agents. So it's really all about the agents. And that's what the Lamar Jackson debacle shows us to be true. Last thing I wanted to hit on quickly here. Um, Mike Clevenger is a pitcher for the Chicago White Sox, formerly of the San Diego Padres and a couple other teams throughout Major League Baseball. I don't want to get too involved in this story here because I have not read up on all the details, but basically uh, he was investigated, under investigation by Major League Baseball uh, due to domestic violence allegations. Uh, The mother of his child accused him of Domestic violence and throwing an iPad at her and injuring her, and some really ugly stuff. And she's also posted screenshots of conversations on Instagram she's had with other women who accuse Clevenger of abuse. So these are serious allegations. And I'm not saying that evidence wasn't produced, but regardless, Major League Baseball investigated Clevenger and he won't face discipline after their probe. And Ryan Glass who's been a guest on this show a couple of times, reports on the media for the New York Post, uh, tweeted this out and is correct. When news of this investigation first broke in late January, many media outlets, and he used The Athletic as just one example, of course had double bylines. The Athletic had two writers write up the story that Mike Clevenger was under investigation by Major League Baseball after domestic violence allegations. That's a two-byline story. Well, then you go to the story this week, the follow-up. White Sox Mike Clevenger won't face discipline after MLB probe of domestic violence allegations, and you have by the athletic staff. So no bylines, never mind a double byline. It's a much shorter story than the original one, kind of buried on the homepage, and that's what you have in a lot of these instances you have when the allegations first break you have major coverage you have double bylines etc but then if an investigation shows that you know maybe these these allegations were unfounded exaggerated or just that didn't arise to the level where the accused needs to face discipline you don't have the same kind of follow-up. I mean, it's it's that classic thing in media, right? Yes, if you put it out first, that's really what people pay attention to. You can go back and correct it later, but the amount of people who see the correction versus the amount of people who saw the actual story, which as it turns out may have been wrong or exaggerated, um, pales in comparison. And you see that with this kind of story with Mike Clevenger. Um, I'm not saying whether MLB is right or wrong, not to discipline him. But I am saying that in these situations, it would be nice if news organizations had the same reporters follow the story from beginning to end. So you want to have a double byline in this deeply investigative story when MLB first announces an investigation into Mike Clevenger, that's fine. That's great. That's a big story. It should be covered as such. But then about six weeks later, Investigation concludes MLB not disappointing Mike Clevenger. Why aren't those two same reporters following this story into the end? Why do you bury it on your website and just have by the athletic staff? So, again, I'm not necessarily breaking new ground here. You see this all the time in media and sports media where the follow up doesn't get nearly as much attention as the original story, but It's worth pointing out this inconsistency that we see all the time. And the Mike Clevenger story is just the latest example of that. So thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast. As always, if you want to get in touch with me, the best way to do that is via Twitter. At AlexStreamer1 is my username. That again is at AlexStreamer1. Against my better judgment, DMs are open. So hit me up on there. So long, everybody. I'll talk to you next time.